Kristen, today we're going to talk about movies in which people are pushed to the limit. Real people. Real people. Well, most of them are mostly real. Are real. <laughs> <laughs> is Keanu Reeves real? Oh, he is to me. That's a whole different question. Oh, I would take the red pill for him any day. <laughs> yes, red pill. Come and get it. Oh, mm. Kristen. Yum. Love him. Put him in a skinny suit. Come over and I don't know. Be firm with me. Whoa. Hey now. <laughs> hey. Yum. All right. Well, talk about the limit. <laughs> You just hit it, Kristen. You hit it and you went past it at the speed of sound. Uh, we're going to talk about this week a movie called 23 Blast. It's about a blind kid who winds up playing football. We'll talk about Citizen Four, which is the new documentary about Edward Snowden. That's a guy who's been pushed to the limit. He's a real guy. He's a real guy. Mm-hmm. Then, of course, John Wick with Keanu Reeves as a hitman searching for the man who killed his dog. And the feelings I have for him are very real, and that makes him a real man. <laughs> those, those are real enough. He's <laughs> a real man, we'll yes. We'll talk about all that and more in just a moment. But first, let's introduce ourselves. I'm Rafer Guzman, movie critic for Newsday. And I'm Kristen Meinzer, culture producer for The Takeaway, and this is Movie Date. Okay, Kristen, let's talk first about 23 Blast. Now, Is it a blast? Well, that depends. We'll find out in a minute. You want to give us the rundown of this movie? Yes, this is based on the real story of a kid named Travis Freeman from Kentucky. He was a high school football star. He and his best friend grew up together playing on the field, being friends off the field. One day, Travis wakes up with a bad eye infection and very quickly goes blind from it. Now... Thanks to the support and love of his friends and family, he gets back out there. His best friend even helps him drive a car. Yes. He's going out there and flirting with girls. And then he goes back to the football field and successfully plays football again. Here's a clip. What do you mean I'm blind? You lost your eyesight. Okay. Okay. For how long? I don't understand. It was too much infection. Now, Rayford, this is the kind of movie that you and I frequently are quite critical of, the faith-based movie inspired by true events. Yes. That, uh, I don't know. It's one that, of, that sometimes it, feels a little bit heavy-handed and sometimes feels just shabby and poorly constructed. But yes. knowing that we tend to feel this way with these kinds of movies, how did you feel about 23 Blast? Well, as you say, um, on paper, it looked like the kind of film that I was going to despise. Um, you know, it's, it's, you can see, too, in this film that it's pretty modestly budgeted. Uh, a lot of the films, a lot of the scenes look kind of stagey, like they couldn't quite get an entire stadium full of people or an entire bleacher set full of people. So there's about seven or eight guys supposed to represent a crowd. So you you can kind of see the limitations in the budget in this film. And yeah, it is another one of these true stories that are, you know, amazing. I mean, the, the story of, let's say, Bethany Hamilton, the um, the one-armed surfer girl uh, who was the... Soul surfer. Soul surfer, exactly. I mean, it's a pretty amazing story. Uh, and the movie, of course, was not amazing. And that's usually what happens in these kinds of films. Um, this movie, I think, has a lot of those same problems, but... 
the director of this movie, it's his first film, his first film as a director, is Dylan Baker. And he's an actor who's been around for years and years and years. I would say he's probably best known for playing the, uh, the kindly pedophile in Happiness. Mm-hmm. And he's also a recurring character on The Good Wife. He plays, uh, a, I think, a wife killer, a, a, a murderer, sort of a sociopathic, creepy, smiley murderer type. <laughs> and he's, uh, you know, he's really good. And so this is his, this is his directorial debut. And I, I think you can feel him trying to inject a little humor, a little wit, a little life into it here and there. I was surprised to see these teenagers actually drinking beer, mm-hmm. cutting loose, making a little saucy comment every now and then. Um, ogling the girls. Ogling the girls, uh, doing things that normal teenagers do. There are moments of comic relief that may not be knee-slappingly hilarious, but they show some fun. You know, there's a there's a funny scene where... Travis is blind and he's in his hospital bed and his uh, best friend, uh, Jerry, comes by. That actor, by the way, is a co-screenwriter of the movie, Bram, oh. Bram Hoover. He wrote, that, he wrote that movie with his mom. Um, so Jerry comes over and is kind of like, whoa, you know, he's not sure how to approach it. He actually sticks his hand in front of Travis's face to wave his hand. And Travis leans forward and goes and tries to bite it. And I thought... That's funny. It's funny that Travis has a sense of humor. It's funny that he knows his friend well enough to know what his friend would be doing. There are some little touches like that in the movie that raised it a little bit above its its genre for me. How about you? Now, I have to say the first 20, of the, 20 minutes of the movie, I found so unbelievably schlocky. You actually texted me in real time and said, this is horrible. <laughs> yes, I did. In all caps, I'm pretty sure. Yes, this you is did. horrible. Yes, I was. don't know if I can make it through the rest of this movie. You cap shouted at me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was so bad. And listeners, I just want to make clear I was not texting in the theater. Rafer and I do not approve of texting no, in movie right. theaters. No, that's right. No, she was she was watching a, what they call a link. She had a screener link of that. Yes, yes, yes. No texting in the movies ever. But I had to text you while I was watching that on my screening link because it was so saccharine. It was so terrible. I thought the humor was impossible to stomach in the first 20 minutes. Oh, the first really? joke is there's little kids on the football field when we're first being introduced to this football yeah, team. Yeah, and, that's right. And it didn't set up anything for the rest of the movie for me. <laughs> it's like one little black kid playing with a bunch of white kids. And I, I guess I yeah, didn't really it, understand the joke of the beginning of it. It was yeah. terrible. But then... Once he goes blind, I know that's a terrible thing to say, but the movie gets better once he actually leaves the hospital. Once you actually see him trying to start his life over again. Once you see how he's adapting. Once you see his sense of humor. Once you see the fact that, yes, he's acknowledging that this is awful being blind, but also I'm still a teenager and I'm going to be a teenager. I thought that was really well handled. Yeah, I did too. It wasn't the worst date in the whole world. <laughs> it was right. not the worst date in the whole world. What about you, Rafer? Yeah, I, I think we're both going to wind up offering <laughs> fairly faint praise for 23 Blast. I would say the same thing. This is not a horrible date, <laughs> but, you know, it's, a, it's again, it's the kind of date that you're going to go on only if you're if your date is also a convert to this <laughs> to this kind of movie and and I think again to the Christian faith which yeah, makes you a, and your youth group will have a great time on a Wednesday night movie night outing it's a youth group date yes absolutely you can even hold hands during this one <laughs> <laughs> Rafer, let's talk about a film that's a little bit more serious, also based on a true story. Not even based on it. It's a documentary. It is a true story, yeah. It is. It's about Edward Snowden, a.k.a. whistleblower about the NSA. Tell us about this. 
Well, this is the movie that if you've been following the Edward Snowden story, you've been waiting for this movie for a long time. This is kind of the movie that started it all. It's Laura Poitras' documentary about her uh, first meeting with Edward Snowden, uh, along with the, the journalist Glenn Greenwald, who broke the story uh, in print initially. Um, Ewan McCaskill from The Guardian is also in this movie. They are essentially assembling in Hong Kong in a hotel room, a very nice hotel room, actually, in mm-hmm. a very nice hotel in Hong Kong, to find out who this guy is who's been emailing them this strange, uh, anonymous, uh, a, a, a incredibly well-plugged-in source from the NSA who has all of these damning documents that the government has been spying en masse on essentially the entire population all humanity. of all of the entire <laughs> world. Uh, and and, you know, it's quite a story, and they really don't know at first who the heck this guy is. Here's a clip. The NSA specifically targets the communications of everyone. It ingests them by default. It collects them in its system, and it filters them, and it analyzes them, and it measures them, and it stores them for periods of time, simply because that's the easiest, most efficient, and most valuable way to achieve these ends. Now, Kristen, had you been following this story closely? Oh, so closely. You had? So closely. And um, I don't know if you remember back in the uh, days that this was happening, I was pretty much taken off the culture desk for the takeaway and focusing on this all the time. I do remember Um, that. Yeah. I I do remember. I was all NSA all the time. And I have to say that when it was unfolding, on the one side, I was like, this is a fascinating real-time, you know, espionage story of some sort. And then on the flip side, I was like, yeah, we all know we're being spied on. Exactly. And, and, and so watching the movie, I was reminded of all those feelings. This was a year and a half ago all of this was happening. Right. And all of that came back to me again where I'm like, wow, look at the whole world is upset at him, trying to track him down, trying to get him. And then on the flip side, eh, is anyone that surprised <laughs> the government? Actually? So you know that I bought something on eBay. What the heck? <laughs> Right? I, I don't mean to be making a, like our civil liberties don't matter. They do. Our civil liberties do matter. Okay, I searched privacy. for some porn. It's not a big deal. <laughs> we'll put our cell phones in the refrigerator. Uh, there are, there are, by the way, some um, very odd and interesting uh, little moments like that. There is a, there is oh, a scene yeah. where all the lawyers get together, I think, and everyone turns over their cell phones and they all go put them in a refrigerator because apparently if you put them in there, the government is not able to use your cell phone as a microphone to, to surveil you while you're sitting around in a room, which is fascinating. Yeah. Likewise with your telephones. You should, if you have a landline, just unplug all your landlines yeah. when you're talking to each other because even if the handset is hung up, they can still use it to spy on you. Yes, it's amazing. Um, and, and, you know, now we're taking Edward Snowden's word for some of this stuff. Um, but tell me what you thought about this movie after, you know, whatever that's been. Did you say a year and a half uh, mm-hmm. of this news breaking and, you know, Glenn Greenwald's book comes out. Um, it's in The Guardian. It's in The New York Times. It's in The Washington Post. Uh, uh, Barton Gelman, I think, from The Washington Post did a series of stories as well. After all that, what did you think of this movie? Okay, this is going to be nitpicky, nitpicky stuff, but I have to to get this right in the open right away. The text on the screen, whenever there was an explanation, like here's a paragraph explaining Edward Snowden makes a phone call using this number. You know, Edward Snowden shows up at this address. I see, right. Glenn Greenwald gets an email in the middle of the night. Yes. Anytime that script showed up on screen, it was so tiny that at the screening I was at, you and I were not at the same screening, at the screening I was at, 
all of the critics got up from the back two rows and moved to the front rows. <laughs> is that right? Yes. I, didn't, I was actually already in the You're front row. You're always rows, in the so, front row. Yeah. This is one of the issues why we can't always sit together know, in the movies, Rafer. Because sometimes I'm like, I don't want to sit in the front row, Rafer. I'm old. I need to see. And sometimes you don't want to sit in the back row with me. No. Yeah. But in this movie, it was really just like, what? What's on the screen? Everybody just <laughs> got right. up and grabbed their stuff and went that to the That is front. an actual problem. Uh, but So, okay. I, I can't understand that. But... So that's a nitpicky thing. Yes. And another thing, I think the movie starts off just a little too slow. It starts off... Where I think the whole movie could have been paced better. I think there could have been more momentum in it. Mm. Um, because a lot of times it just feels like I'm real time hanging out secretly in a hotel room. Yes. And yes. they could have sped that up. I really think it didn't need to be paced so slowly. All that being said, it's really fascinating to learn all these little bits and pieces like how he evades you know, being found out, how these phones work, how he finds out these things. And how the world is reacting in real time. Because when it was happening in real time, we were on the outside. We didn't know who he was, what he looked like, what his motivations were. And here we are watching it all again in real time, but we're watching it through his eyes. I thought that was pretty fascinating. I Yes. I I think that is really what this movie serves as best is a, a way to introduce you to Edward Snowden and let you kind of decide for yourself. But... Clearly, the, the the filmmakers didn't want to or couldn't interview other people who were associated with yeah. them. So you get no other voices. There's no one else who knows Edward Snowden. It's just one man's perspective. It's, it's only him and the journalists who are interviewing him. You know, uh, you know as much about him as they do. And you, there's you don't get the girlfriend, parents, friends, coworkers, anyone. And so that's a bit of a problem as well. But I think it's a pretty good date. I think Citizen Four is a pretty good date as well. So. For a, Just, smart, for a smart date. <laughs> <laughs> well, stay with us, because coming up, we're going to be talking about John Wick, the new movie starring Keanu Reeves, plus our interview with Jason Schwartzman, star of the new movie, Listen Up, Philip. And we have this week's installment of our new feature, Sweatpants, if you don't want to put on your big boy pants and just want to sit on the couch. This is Movie Date. I'm Rafer Guzman. And I'm Kristen Meinzer. And we want to remind you, you can always visit us at moviedatepodcast.org. Or you can visit us at our Facebook page, facebook.com slash moviedatepodcast. At our Facebook page, we always have trailers that you can say yes or no, you like them. We have celebrity gossip. We also just have some extras and photos of me and Rafer sometimes misbehaving or hanging out with the people that we interview. So definitely become a fan of us on the Facebook page and check out moviedatepodcast.org to see and hear every single episode that we've ever recorded, including some terrible ones. Don't go back more than a couple <laughs> years. That's my advice. <laughs> we, we didn't always do it so well. Sometimes, you know what? One day we're going to listen to what we're doing right now and say the same thing. I hope so. Okay. <laughs> All right. Let's get into our Keanu Reeves movie, John Wick. Tell us about it. Uh, okay. So this is an action film. Reeves plays the title character, John Wick. Uh, when we start out in this film, he looks like a pretty normal guy. He's married to a woman. She is dying, and she does die of a terminal illness. She leaves him as a parting gift, 
a little beagle puppy. So cute. Very adorable little beagle puppy named Daisy. Oh, and this her. is this is Keanu Reeves, really his his last reminder of his wife. It's now his his only companion. Uh, by sheer luck, he's driving his uh, gorgeous 69 Mustang down the street, fills it up at a gas station. Some Russian hood thug named Joseph, or it's with an I, I don't know how to pronounce that, Joseph, Joseph, mm-hmm. says, how much for the car? Keanu Reeves says it's not for sale. The thug gets offended by this later on, breaks into Keanu Reeves' house, steals the car, and just for good measure, kicks the dog to death. <sighs> Here's a clip. <gasps> Hey, John. Perkins? I thought I'd let myself in. I noticed. Now, the problem, of course, that this poor young Russian guy didn't realize is that John Wick is one of the most feared hitmen in the history of hitmen. Oh, yeah. So, Kristen, what did you think of this film? Now, I know this plot is old and tired. You know, an assassin gets dragged back into the game. Yep. He, just wants to, he just wants to move on and be just a regular guy. But we all love that. I but love that plot. He gets dragged back in. And in this case, he's like 50. You know, we've seen this, we've seen this many, many times. Can you believe Keanu Reeves is like I can't. Oh, no, I can't believe it. And he looks, so, he still looks, what, 35? Oh, my God. He's yeah. so gorgeous still. He he's, is, like, he's walking around in those skinny suits and he's looking so fine. He's a great looking. The guy's Ooh, a movie star. What yum, can you say? Keanu Reeves. Come and get it. Have I mentioned yet that I think he's great looking? You mentioned that early on in the podcast, as I recall. <laughs> in case I haven't said it enough. Hello, Keanu. Hello. But you know what I love about this movie? It is so unbelievably violent and ridiculous and yes. yet has a sense of humor at the same time. And you realize early on that uh, this movie is not your typical just bloodletting, violent movie. It's also one that kind of is comical at moments. I like that balance. And, and I love that, you know, I lost track of how many people he single-handedly kills. What is it, like 75? It's probably probably well over 100. <laughs> There's the the, fr- the there's twelve in the first and uh, the, and killing and yeah killing. yeah the, the the very first time he finally picks up his gun and gets back in the game he kills twelve people. Um, <laughs> I love that. I love it. He, I I'm fascinated by the fact you you something has happened to you recently. I don't know what it is. You've suddenly taken a a, a sharp left turn where you don't care if there are any women in the film and you love violence. Oh, you know what? I don't get it. No, you no. love walk still, among the tombstones. I still care if there are women in the movie. I do, but you know what I like? There aren't any in this film. There are like two. There's one. There, there's Perkins. And the dead wife. <laughs> exactly. That's it. That's it. And you know what? I, I, I would say every movie this week has a major problem with a lack of women in them and lack of people of color. But, All you, still, the movies this but you still like John Wick? You know what I like about it? It's decided I'm not going to be a real movie. I'm going to be a cartoon or... You might even say, I'm going to be a video game. This movie reminds me of a first-person shooter game it in lots of ways. It is completely a video game. And I'm amazed that you were able to tolerate that because I found it so monotonous. I thought it was so tiring. Keanu Reeves, you know, when, when, the, when the hitman springs back into action, and especially someone like Keanu Reeves, if he, once he's back in the game, you want to see something. You want to see some Jason Bourne stuff. You want to see some real fisticuffs and all he does is just point and shoot point and shoot point oh, and shoot no. he, he taps he, people and it, and it's all at close range he does range. some wrestling too i mean the wrestling, wrestling is pretty limited it's it's really just it really is it's a first person shooter bang 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 <laughs> bang 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 and i just thought oh my god is this going to be every action scene just you shooting a guy in the head over and over and over and indeed the answer is yeah 
That's what I got for almost two hours. That's what you get for killing his puppy. I, I do I not kill his agree. puppy. All right, I'll get there. There are a couple things also that I thought were good about this movie. You're right. There are some very funny moments in this. Most of them come from Michael Nyquist, the guy who's mm-hmm. from the Dragon Tattoo movies. He played the journalist, um, and he plays the mob boss here. He's actually pretty funny. There are a couple of very good rough stunts in this movie, and the one that really impressed me was when. One of the bad guys throws Keanu Reeves off a balcony. Now, whenever you're being thrown off a balcony, when you're the good guy, you're going to land on the hood of a car. You're going to fall through some glass. You're going to hit a swimming pool of some kind. Something's going to break your fall. And in this in this shot, yeah. he just lands on the ground with just this, com- on his back, this just completely boom. sickening thud. And the whole audience just went, oh, and I thought that was like a great moment. I was like, oh, my God, I've never seen that in a movie. That was terrific. Why is the rest of this movie so boring? Oh, it wasn't boring. Oh, my God. I, got, I could not believe that movie went on and on and on and on. Ultimately, I wanted to like this movie, but I thought John Wick was a pretty bad date. Oh, I loved John Wick. I thought wow. it was a great date. But now I'm wondering, do you only love John Wick if you want to make out with him? The answer is yes. <laughs> the answer is yes. The rest of us need a little something more to go on, I think. All right. Let's move on to this week's big interview. We have the the wonderful Jason Schwartzman. I'm sorry I missed this. I'm so sorry, too. Jason Schwartzman was wonderful. You know, the first 20 minutes, we just were joking around and hanging out. Just like we should have had glasses of bourbon and wow. we're having so much fun. And then finally, I'm like, we got to get to this interview thing. <laughs> we better do this. We better do this interview. That's fantastic. So, many people know Jason Schwartzman best as that guy who appears in almost every Wes Anderson movie, uh, beginning with Rushmore. Of course, he's also been in Saving Mr. Banks last year, a number of other films, as well as his musical projects. Coconut Records being the most uh, notable of all of them, and his newest movie is called Listen Up, Philip. It centers on a pretentious writer named Philip, obviously. Some people are saying it's a Philip Roth sort of inspired character. He's pretentious. He's a jerk. He's condescending. He's just released his second novel. And rather than go on tour with the book, he dumps his girlfriend, moves in with another pretentious writer, and uh, starts teaching in a small college. And here is a clip. Look, I'll say this and then we can proceed accordingly. Number one, internships are a waste of time, so you shouldn't bother. Two, that company sucks and you wouldn't gain any worthwhile experience there. And three, I don't actually think that I know you very well. Or at all, now that I think about it. So I wouldn't be the best person to sing your praises. Where does that leave us on the whole letter of recommendation tip? I think they can be somewhat generic. It's kind of a formality anyway. Nah. And with no further ado, here is Jason Schwartzman. And note to listeners... If you hear a little music here and there throughout, that's a little handheld harp instrument that he and I were playing with uh, prior to the interview, and he didn't put it down throughout the whole interview. It was always in his hands. This is fun. This is really fun. We should also talk about this movie that you're in. Okay. Yes, I would love to. Let's talk about it. You're you're super nice. Your character, Philip, is a total jerk. Yeah. A really, really bad guy. Self-righteous, pompous, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. condescending. So how do you keep him watchable instead of just completely repulsive? I came about a month early before we started shooting the movie, 
and uh, the director and I, we spent every day together. We talked about the script. We read the script every day. We watched movies together that were sort of related and would go on long walks. It was quite romantic as I talk <laughs> about it now. Something just happened. I don't know. We just kind of, I at least slipped into a zone where I was just seeing the movie so much from this guy's point of view that Elizabeth uh, Moss, when she got to New York to start talking about the movie and rehearsing it and stuff, we were, A, just talking about how excited we were and looking forward to it. And then she started to say, yeah, I mean, your character, he's such a jerk. I mean, can you believe what he did to Ashley? And uh, I was like, well, <laughs> you you didn't help. I mean, you didn't make it easy. And And I didn't mean to say that, but I think it was funny just because I got so really just like, I was on Team Philip uh, so much that um, intellectually I knew this guy's not doing the right things, but I also just I didn't think he was doing anything wrong. Oh, but he's uh, so mean. Sure, no, he's and he is mean, and he, you know, he's like. Um, I think it's funny because most movies, uh, so much of it is like the the journey of someone trying to find themselves or learn something, but this guy basically, or at least, thinks he's pretty positive. He knows who he is and doesn't care to learn anything. Because um, he knows everything, he thinks. And um, that was fun to do. <laughs> just to play someone that was like a, there was a trajectory of just like, he was like a missile who wasn't going to stop and listen or hear anybody out. And um, really doesn't change all that much. In fact, he might get worse. But it was, uh, I don't know, it was fun to do that. Like there was no confusion. <laughs> the character's just like a knife. He just cuts like a knife. He just... You haven't ever played anyone this awful before. Mm-mm. And a lot of people probably know you best for all your Wes Anderson roles, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. Uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox, Grand Budapest Hotel, Rushmore, obviously. How is working with Wes Anderson from your very first movie, Rushmore mm-hmm. On, how has that shaped you and how you act? Well, completely shaped me, completely. Um, before I met Wes, I wasn't acting. Um, I was just you know, a guy in high school in a band, and he gave me my first role and um, changed my life, and I started to become an actor. He's so funny to me that um, I can't help but shape who I am. Do you have a favorite character you've played in his movies? Well, Max Fisher was pretty... um, I can't... Well, I can't really compare. It's like losing your virginity. It's like, (laughs) was that the best experience? I mean, it was just... You can't... It's not like everything else it's its own thing and that's what Rushmore was like was its own thing so I hesitate to say that but that was you know such an important thing in my life but um I loved playing this character of Jack in um Darjeeling Limited was a movie we Mm. we did and uh, I loved it and also we co-wrote it and so I had a lot there's a lot of it's a very personal character there's a lot of our own lives in it so probably probably that one well, I have a dream, and I don't know if this dream will ever come true, but I would love it. <laughs> I have a dream that you're actually going to be a big musical star at some point where really? you're going to have a bunch of musicals that come out. Have you wow. ever thought about that? My mom has always said, you should, because she, my mom is like a musical person. I mean, she just, and growing up, we just listened to musicals all the time and watched musicals, and she has a, I'll brag on her behalf, like an almost encyclopedic musical database in her brain and she can just sing so many pieces of music um i don't see myself doing one in that way because um i never like sang and uh i just it's not something i feel very comfortable doing i sing on the records but you know it's like you double track your voice there's no one watching you you can take your time you can be off 
musical, like, remember they did when they did Les Mis, the a Oscar, film. yeah, and, yeah. They, and they sang at the Oscars live. I was watching it, going like, "Oh my god, this is incredible!" I mean, it's incredible to be able to do that, and that's something I, I wish I could do that. I believe in you. Well, I thank you so much. <laughs> Maybe there's like a perfect musical we could find. It's like about someone who's afraid to do a musical. Oh, it's going to be a groundbreaker. Oh, good. I'm happy to break ground. <laughs> Jason Schwartzman, thank you so much for joining thank us today. You. This is so fun. It was so fun. I appreciate it. Goodbye. Goodbye. That's Jason Schwartzman, star of the new film Listen Up, Philip, which is now on VOD and in wide release. You're wearing sweatpants. It's Monday. Am I the Queen of England? I don't know. Does the Queen of England only wear sweatpants? When you are a man, sometimes you wear stretchy pants in your room. Oh, Rafer, you know what that sound means. I know what it means. It means it's time to talk about things that are on the small screen that we can watch, and we don't even have to switch into our big girl and big boy pants. We can just wear sweatpants. (laughs) Let's just sit on the couch and watch whatever is on the little idiot box. Let's do it. All right. What's your pick for this week's sweatpants segment? My pick is a little movie that was a sleeper hit from last year. The movie is called In a World, and it's a movie about a a woman who is trying to break into the into the voiceover business, which is, as anyone could tell you, extremely male dominated, and she's trying to break into it. Her dad is actually a voice uh, a voiceover legend, played by Fred Malamud. It's got a great cast: uh, Rob Corddry, Dimitri Martin, Michaela Watkins, and it stars and is directed by Lake Bell, who I love. And it was it's a really funny, sweet comedy, uh, smart. Fresh, interesting. Here's a clip. Oh, hey, um, I heard through the grapevine they want you to VO the promo for that crazy trilogy. And don't bust me for dropping the broccoli. (laughs) One crazy trilogy. Oh, my God. The Amazon games. How could you not have heard of this? It's common pop knowledge. I mean, I don't have a... a... First off, it's a quadrilogy. Great. I was really impressed by this movie. I'd already been in love with Lake Bell. Uh, if, if you know her, she initially one of the first ways we met her was essentially just as a pair of breasts. She was in It's Complicated, and she plays the, the boobalicious younger girlfriend. Um, then she was also in uh, No Strings Attached, which was a lot of fun. That's where I really kind of fell for her, even though that movie was kind of sucky. And, uh, you know, now she's got this great movie that she did. I, she's a real talent, and I just I love the film. Well, I'm going to have to check it out. And you and I watch a lot of movie trailers, so it's kind of fun to look at the world behind movie trailers with exactly. voiceovers and so on. So that, that sounds like fun. And your pick? Now, my sweatpants pick for the week is a new TV show, which you can watch online. All the episodes are on Hulu right now. Blackish. This just started a few weeks ago. Yes. I'm very interested in this. Yes. And what's great about the show... You know, when I was growing up, the black family sitcom was everywhere. You had the Cosby Show, you had Fresh Prince of Bel Air, you had On the Low End Family Matters, you had you had <laughs> you had a wide range of black families. And yeah, then that's it kind true. of disappeared. And one of the great things and not great things that happened over the last decade is we got the ensemble comedy. A lot of these were workplace comedies where you'd have people of color in the ensemble, but it was always white leads, Mm -hmm. like in The Office or Parks and Rec. Sure. But it's nice to see black families again. And we almost, I mean, I cannot remember the last time I saw a good black family comedy. Sure. It follows a family very well-to-do living in L.A. He's an ad executive. She's a doctor. Lawrence Fishburne is the grandpa in the family. The grandpa? The grandpa, yes. And then Tracy Ellis Ross 
plays the mom in the family. Dad is played by Anthony Anderson. They have four adorable kids. And, you know, it's not perfect, but it does go some places. It does ask some questions like, what does it mean in this day and age to be black when your kids don't have the same frame of reference about what black means as you did from back in your generation? Here's a clip. Okay, babe, Charlie isn't for everybody. Charlie isn't for anybody. Not only were we verbally accosted, he has no boundaries. He showed us JPEGs of his rectal polyps. Which were benign. Babe, showing empathy towards Charlie is a part of the struggle. I'm tired of the struggle. I'd recommend Blackish. Not a totally perfect show, but it has been picked up for a full season. And I think, like all new shows, once it is out for more and more episodes, we'll see things get stronger and stronger with it. Okay, Kristen, it's time for trivia. Ooh, we love trivia. Well, last week, as you may remember, we were talking about movies in which people were angry. So full of fury. Fury, particularly (laughs) fury starring Brad Pitt. And that made us think about other movies with angry people in them. We picked one of the best. Here's a clip. Hi, can I help you? Yes, I'd like a ham and cheese omelet or lamb fries. I'm sorry, we stopped serving breakfast, but we are on the lunch menu now. I want breakfast. Well, you can't have it. We're not serving it. So you said. Is that the manager? Yeah. Could I speak to him, please? Sure. God, I hate that movie. Kristen I does not think it so much that it's I one of the best. Hate it, but you love it, Rafer. Rafer <laughs> loves this movie. I love it, and here's someone else who I think loves it. Hi, Rafer. Hi, Kristen. It's uh, Sean from Bristol, UK. I'm the answer for this week's uh, quiz. One of my favorite films. Falling Down with Michael Douglas uh, is in my um, uh, DVD section and I get it out now and again just to watch. I'm feeling uh, a little bit tough with uh, things in general. But uh, yeah, I love your podcast and speak to you soon. Bye. Sean in the UK. Oh, we love getting our international callers. Yeah. You know, th- that must be a really expensive call though, right? I don't know. I mean, in this you... day and age, do you actually pay long distance if you... No, I don't even think I anyone... I don't understand. I don't think anyone pays long distance anymore. Everything's flat. Everything's flat fee. Oh, well, we were so excited to have you call, Sean. You were one of many listeners. Um, as, as we know, we can only randomly pick one listener, though, of all the calls we get each week. And this week's question, in honor of blind athletes, like in 23 Blast. Yes. We are going to play a clip of another movie with a blind athlete in it. Here's the clip. Ladies and gentlemen, in a moment, we will witness something never seen before in the history of athletic competition. We remember her as a promising Olympic contender who suffered a tragic setback last season. What is that movie? Oh, I love that movie so much. I just love it. (laughs) You would. Of course I love it. You would, And I bet a lot of you guys out there probably love it too because you have good taste. You have great taste, listeners. So if you know what that movie is, give us a call at 5717movies. 